The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. All right. Good morning, honey. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. You look great today. Thank you. What are we talking about today? We are talking about managing your flips, managing multiple properties. I'm excited to go over a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of these little these little tips and tricks that we're going to share on this episode are the tips and tricks that aren't often talked about. Right. Why? They're not very sexy. Nope. <laughs> they, <laughs> but they're very important. They are very important. <laughs> so we'll summarize prioritizing your, uh-huh. your purchases based on the purchase price and exit price. Right. So higher ones, what we're going to focus on versus the, the entry level ones. Okay. So that's one segment. Uh, the other one is crews, mm-hmm. right? Managing uh, uh, your construction crews and, and, and ensuring that you are leading and not being led. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I pivoting. think, and then pivoting, yeah, and maintaining a pulse on all of your properties at all time during the life of the property, right? Knowing what is going on with the property, touching it, knowing the data surrounding it, and then setting our own comp. Yeah, what does that mean? Listen in, and we'll tell you. Yep, let's get into it. If you're looking for some family fun, I know I always am. Check out Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. At Circus Circus, there's something for everyone. Have a blast inside the Adventure Dome, a five-acre indoor theme park with 30 rides, including their newest rides, Twist and Teacups, Circus Swings, and Little Sprinter Raceway. Or act like a kid again at the Midway, playing arcade games or enjoying their free daily circus acts. Looking for a special date night? Look no further than their award-winning restaurant called The Steakhouse. Voted Best Steakhouse in Las Vegas. Circus Circus offers affordable room rates starting at $29 per night. Book your stay today at CircusCircus.com. So I want to start with, uh, I think it's a fun, this is a fun strategy to have. Okay. Okay. So we're going to play question and answer because it stimulates the mind a little bit more than just me spewing information. Okay. So you have a $700,000 house, Mm -hmm. a $600,000 house. And you just closed on a two hundred thousand dollar house, two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and a three hundred thousand dollar house. Okay. The point is, I don't expect even myself to re- re-remember what I just described. Okay. Is that you have two high-end homes. Yep. And you have three entry-level homes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The two high-end homes have approved bids. Yep. They have a contract that's been assigned to them, mm-hmm. and demo, and the construction process has started. Yes. Okay. What do you think you do here? Do you pull? Okay. And then the market's hot right now. Okay. Okay. Meaning there's very low inventory. You need to, you, you want to take advantage and capitalize on this opportunity when there's low inventory and high demand. Okay. So you obviously buy these new properties, yeah. these entry level homes, and you begin um, paying interest on them, thinking about them, mm-hmm. paying property taxes and power and electricity and sewer and trash. And you've only got a limited amount of contractors that you could tap into. Do you, A, mm-hmm. pull these guys off? The high end? Off the high end homes. 
so that they can get started and not neglect your entry-level homes? Or do you neglect your entry-level homes and stay focused on your high-end homes? My guess would be to focus on the high-end because in my mind, there's more buyers in the pool for entry-level than there is in the high-end. That's exactly right. Yes! <laughs> it's exactly right. <laughs> and it's easy to do because I often do it. I've mm-hmm. been doing this forever, and yeah. I have to remember this tool so often because you don't use it all the time. Because yeah. generally speaking, you always have an abundance of contractors. But there's times when you don't. And when you don't, then I'm like, crap, I forgot I have to remember this tool. And there's so much anxiety about buying a property and just ignoring it. You're like, that's crazy. That goes right. against everything that we've said this whole time. Yeah. But circumstances dictate, you know, decision making. Right. At this time with our current inventory, I have two high-end homes. Mm-hmm. And then we just closed on a handful of smaller ones. Mm-hmm. I know that the entry-level homes will always have a buyer. Yep. The other thing is, is you have to pay attention to market appreciation or movement. And when I say movement, meaning is it appreciating, is it staying the same, or is it decreasing? You pay attention to what the market's doing. And then you analyze, are these entry-level homes appreciating Mm -hmm. while they sit? Mm -hmm. And right now they are. Right. Because that $300,000 home in Las Vegas is almost becoming extinct. Right. It's harder to find. It's harder to find. Well, I built these at 300000 So by the time that I go to sell them, it's going to be even harder to find a $300,000 home. So there's a good chance it'll be worth more. So then you say to yourself, and this is the rule, if the house is appreciating faster than it's costing to hold it, then let that one sit and neglect it. Mm-hmm. You focus on the ones that that is not happening to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or the ones that you need to get on the market and capitalize on that certain time in the market. You need to capitalize on it by getting that house on the market at that time. Mm-hmm. So right now I have a few entry-level homes mm-hmm. that I am having no problem. I really am having a problem, but I know what <laughs> the right decision is. And that is let those sit and marinate. Do you think this... And focus all of my crew on the on the higher end home so that I can get those done and get them on the market. I just have a question, like it's kind of further back, but do you think the reason why you want to pull off the high end to do the entry level is because they're smaller houses so they're quick and easier to get through so you feel like you could just get through them quicker and that's there's an argument the... there. And I just had an argument with Danny about that. Okay. I don't know if it's an argument, but a debate yeah. about that because um Sun Valley is a is a simple uh rehab. Rehab. And Again, circumstances dictate your decision making. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, on Sun Valley, I said to myself, if there's one that is truly easy, this one is literally flooring, baseboard, paint, um, and then redoing the, the showers. No floor plan switches. No floor plan changes, no cabinets. No, no, we, no we bought it. It was a previously flipped home. Um, uh, so there wasn't a whole lot to do. So in that case, what you, then you have to ask yourself, not have to ask yourself, but then you have to make a decision it makes more sense to blow that one out quickly mm-hmm. because then you could take that group and and apply it to the bigger homes. Right. But if you have a small home that's going to slow down the bigger homes, you always neglect the small home. It's very similar to interest on credit cards. Mm-hmm. You pay down your highest interest credit cards first. Yes. Yeah. Once the high in, in the in the payment is your contractor, once the high interest credit card is paid down. Then you take the same amount of money, mm-hmm. your same group of contractors, and you move them to the next highest interest credit card until you work your way all the way down to the lowest interest credit card. Eventually, you know, you pay off 
all of your debt much quicker. Right. That is the same logic with house flipping. It's easy. Okay, so here's the other thing. Stay. Again, these t- some of these rules may contradict themselves sitting here, mm-hmm. but if the circumstance allows for it, they will apply properly. So the other thing that you have to think about is if is, is when you bought these homes. So for me, I have a visual reference in my office right. where the home that I've owned the longest sits at the top. Okay. Okay. And then the next and then mm-hmm. the next and the next mm-hmm. and the next and the next. So I always look at that first home first and I ask myself, am I doing everything strategically correct to ensure that that, pro- that house is getting the most amount of attention that it needs? Mm-hmm. And when I say that is maybe it was that entry level home that doesn't need to be touched. It makes more sense to just let that one marinate because the market's going to make it worth more mm-hmm. because we're in an appreciating market. So that's what I mean when I say, am I doing everything that I need to do on that property? What can end up happening and happens often is that these contractors, you will give them five homes, but this one you bought on January 1st, this one you bought on January 10th, this one you bought on on, on the 20th, and this one the 25th, and this one the 30th. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they they're all were bought at different times, but the, the clock started ticking at different times on each home. And you only get 90 days to get through these houses. Right. Correct? Okay. If you give the same contractor all of those homes and you don't lead, and you don't lead, that's the biggest thing. If you get led, the contractor's gonna bulldoze you the whole way. Right. The whole way. And here's what the thing is: is this is my money. Mm-hmm. These are my investments. You are a tool that I am using to help me. Fulfill my financial goals. Mm-hmm. So when a contractor comes to me, and we've had contractors like this, where they roll up and they want to run the show, it's like, wait a second. That's not that's not right. the equation here. Right. I'm not the equation is it's my money, it's my investment, and you are a contribution to that formula. Mm-hmm. But I need to be in control of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in leading contractors. You have to be the leader. If you have a contractor that wants to be the leader, that ain't going to end well, right. period. It's right. just not going to end well, okay? Unless he does everything he says he's going to do, which 900 flips later, I've never met a contractor <laughs> that says he's going to do it, that, that does what he says he's going to do. Yeah. You might as well quote that one. 900 flips later, I've never met a general contractor, period, ever, that says one thing and does it. Ever. Okay. <laughs> So I know a lot of our listeners work in real estate, and I can't express enough the value of getting your home staged when you're ready to sell. Not only will your house have less time on the market, you'll likely get more money for the house. Thomas and his team do a really great job selecting the right pieces based on your style preference. Check them out at houseofvegashomestaging.com. Again, that's houseofvegashomestaging.com. So the other crazy thing, okay, so back to the point that I was making, is yeah. you, you have all these houses that were bought at different times. Yes. Okay? If you give them to the same contractor, they want to make it look like there's movement and activity on each home. Right, so right? that they can get paid. So that they could get paid. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you get led, not lead. They start construction on one, ask for a deposit. Start construction on the second one you gave them, ask for a deposit. Third, ask for a top, deposit. Fourth, fifth. Ask for a deposit. Okay. Well, the first one's just sitting there. The first, and then what they've done is they've taken their crew and they've diluted it across five properties. So now all five properties went from they should have been highest priority over here, 
and lowest priority here because when this one gets finished, then this one would be highest priority. Mm-hmm. Then when this one gets finished. And in that way, they all, because you, your timeline needs to be paid attention to. You need to finish a flip in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what ends up happening in this scenario when the contractor touches all of them at the same time is that all of a sudden, all of your flips get finished in 60 days. So your most recent flip, the, 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 the flip that you've only owned for 30 days gets done in 30 days, mm-hmm. but the first flip that you bought got done in 60. Okay. Why yeah. does that matter? It matters because of market conditions. Right. One of the beautiful things about flipping property is that we get to operate in a, in a fixed set of time and circumstances. And generally that's 90 to hundred days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Data in real estate almost arguably is is cemented in time for at least 60 to 120 days. That's mm-hmm. the great thing about real estate. Stocks every day, a stock could be a different price, but not real estate. It's a mm-hmm. slow-moving asset. So you capitalize on that. That's why we're flipping houses because right. it's, it's a safe investment tool. Mm-hmm. When your contractor drags out that last house by 60 days or that first house is 60 days, you are now operating in a different market. Mm-hmm. In this market, the things are appreciating. But the tools that I'm trying to teach people and share information with is that this market isn't always the case. Right. And, and you should never just take advantage of an appreciating market. You should as far as like house prices going up and stuff. But in a sense, you lose your fundamentals. You don't stay disciplined. You just start spending money lavishly because you're like, screw it. Yeah, but you if know. you're making more money, then you're just wasting the more then, money. Exactly. You're technically wasting. Yeah. Mm. That's exactly right. Okay. No, I mean, it, 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 oh, it doesn't matter. The house went up 10 grand. We'll just spend it because it's easier. Yeah, but it's like, okay, wait, so wait. if it goes up 10 grand and you held it for three months longer, what interest did you pay the, the 10 grand's out the window? Yeah. I mean, the, the holding cost obviously offsets that. Yeah. But with a mar- market appreciation, then you are insulated by holding it. You're preserving your initial desired profit. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. Your initial desired profit, which was twenty grand, mm-hmm. if the market goes up ten while you hold it and you were forced to hold it for thirty days, and it costs you ten thousand to hold it for those extra time. I shouldn't have said thirty days. For the extra time, your twenty thousand is still preserved. Yeah. Versus a normal market, if you don't get out of that thing in a set amount of time as you planned it to, mm-hmm. your profit is not preserved. Right. It's eroding away. Yes, I get what you're saying. So that's why I want to teach good fundamentals because you'll get used to the way things are now. And then if things go back to just a normal market where it doesn't go up one or two or three percent a month, you'll wish you you would have learned this lesson. You wish you would have listened to the podcast and learned this lesson. (laughs) So managing crews, that's the thing. All right. The other thing with contractors is that I am a big believer in the beginning of your career to self-perform a lot of the work. Why? Because, and I'm not telling you to do this on the first 20 houses. Yeah. I'm telling you to do this on one or two or three and just be super involved. I think there's, I mean, there's something to be said that you do save money, but I think it's more about saving them more than just saving the money. It's about learning and understanding the process, I guess. When you're the guy having to go to Home Depot and buy the plywood Mm -hmm. and buy the two by fours and buy the light bulbs and buy the, uh, the ceiling fans and the light fixtures and this and that. You're seeing what things should cost. Right. And then when you're the guy that installs a ceiling fan and it takes you three hours because you've never done it before, when the guy goes, hey, I want 75 bucks to install your ceiling fan, you go, well, worth it. Yeah. Okay. Then 
if the guy goes, I want 350 to install your ceiling fan, you're like, I've done this. Right. It doesn't, it shouldn't take 350. Right. You know? Right. So it gives you perspective on pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing with bids and stuff like that, that I've actually been running into a lot lately is a lot of these guys like to, a lot of the vendors, contractors, landscapers, pool guys, whatever it is, you'll go, I need X, Y, and Z, right? I need fake grass, boulders, rock, trees, irrigation, um, uh, demo. Mm -hmm. And since a lot of our guys are mom and pop shops, they'll just send you back a quote and go five grand. That doesn't make you any smarter or better in your career. And here's why. Because our power and value comes from being able to walk into a space and go, I know what this is going to need in 25 minutes, and then walking out. You can estimate the cost. I can estimate the cost. Okay. And now I'm more powerful than the other guy who's like, I need to get my contractor over here. You know, so I can do that. But the reason I can do that is because not every house is going to need all those things that I just described about the landscaping bid, the the, the, the trees, the fake grass, the rock, mm-hmm. the irrigation, the this, the that. They're not going to need all of that. Right. Right. But they might need trees. You could break it up. Ah, it mm-hmm. might need trees. It might only need fake grass. It might only need rocks. And if I had an itemized list from my landscaper on how he got to that 5000 now I can remember when I walk into the next house that this house only need trees. And on the last house I used my landscaper on, the tree component of the total bid was $1,400. I know this house only needs $1,400 in trees. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm smarter. Mm-hmm. Now I'm predicting what I need. Right. That, that's the system. Right. And that helps you move faster when you're walking a house to see if you could buy it or not. Yeah. All of this stuff, what has served me so well in the flipping space is a visual memory, mm-hmm. being able to and just know what I saw is what I saw. It's, it's, it's served me very well. And being able to memorize all of this stuff, you know, I think a, a debilitating component of house flipping, at least in the early stages, is everything is written down. Everything is... Uh, documented. Mm-hmm. Why I think that that hurts some people is it it ensures that the crutch is never removed, meaning they're never forced to have to start memorizing things. Mm-hmm. If you're never forced to start memorizing things, why would you ever start memorizing things? Right. So now when I you know I, I, I'm going to make a decision on a property, someone asks me a question, I literally would have to go. I I got to I got to get to my computer. I, I don't know. Flipping is about speed. Mm-hmm. Everything is speed. You got to be able to go, I know exactly where I'm at on this house mm-hmm. because every week I'm updating my spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. I can memorize where I'm at. So if I got to make a $500 decision right now, I can make a $500 decision right now. Yeah. And then I'm done. I moved on to the next task. Next mm-hmm. task. Yeah. That's how I run my business. No, I think that's a really good point because I feel like for me, when I'm making decisions on repairs for rental properties, which isn't exactly the same, but I'm like, oh, water heater? Okay, that's going to probably be about $1,000, $1,100. If it comes back higher, I'm like, wait, I know we can get that for cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're, 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 you're using your experience. Mm-hmm. A better way to word what I just said there is what is the purpose of experience if you're not using it? Right. <laughs> that's what experience is. It's mm-hmm. referencing a past experience and using it in the current moment Mm -hmm. and that and then having everything written on paper there's no experience building there you're like i don't remember i gotta now i gotta you know you're shuffling through paper versus your memory 
to summarize this 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 episode. Yeah, let's give three tips. Three tips. The first one was that I just mentioned was don't treat your flips as a group of flips. Each one needs to be individually managed and the time frame needs to be paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you bought it and it was designed to only be held for 90 days, that property needs to only be held for 90 days. Yep. If the contractor starts to get out of control, starts to extend, you need to be curbing that. You need to be there to discipline, to, to communicate, to tell them, no, we can't do that. And if you have to, neglect your other ones to get that one done in that set amount of time. Mm-hmm. Because spreading the contractors out over multiple properties, all it does is it slows all of them down. Mm-hmm. And you need to take advantage of the snapshot that you took before you bought the property because that is when you were selling the property is in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Letting these go too far out, you're outside of that window. Now you're just kind of gambling. You're no longer doing predictable real estate investments. Mm-hmm. Point number two is uh, entry level. Okay, your highest costing property should get the most amount of attention. Yeah. Because there's less buyers for that property. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's more risk involved. You want to get in that property renovate that property, and then get out of that property as quickly as possible. Your entry-level homes, generally speaking, will always have a buyer, Mm -hmm. can withstand market conditions. Yep. If they go down 10%, you lose 30 grand versus if a million-dollar house goes down 10%, you lose 100 grand. Right. Focus on your high-end properties first. Your entry-level properties can, I call it marinating. Let them marinate. So tip number three is, is pivoting. I don't know if I went into much detail on this, but I'm going to bring it up here now. Yeah. Is you've got to pivot. Always watch your data around your properties. Okay. So once a week I touch, I, once a week people on my team, I'll be fair, touch the properties once a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to do this personally, but now I have people on the team that do it. They touch it once a week. They generally comp it once a week, maybe once every two weeks. But if all of a sudden there is... Uh, a piece of data that's competing against you negatively, then maybe you should slow down on your property and let that one get picked up and taken away, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you pay attention to the other available houses? Yes, absolutely. Or if all of a sudden a house popped up that was equally uh, renovated to to your subject property and and, and it got picked up in two days, now all of a sudden you go, holy cow, I can get twenty five thousand more dollars, which means I could probably spend five that extra five grand that I know will ensure I get that extra money mm-hmm. on my flip. Or it goes the other way: a fully renovated property pops up, and they got twenty five less than what you thought. Now you got to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, how do I navigate this? Right. What do I do? Maybe you know why did that happen? And you start analyzing it. So I pay attention to the market conditions surrounding each of my flips at least once or twice a week, and then I make decisions regarding construction around that information. I was going to ask, I know the answer to this question, but just for the listeners. So say you bought a house on a street um, and you're working on it, renovating it, and then another one pops up that needs to be renovated too. Do you buy that one too, or do you let somebody else get it? Uh, it depends. If I'm feeling, if I, if I'm... Do you think there's value yes. in buying the other one? I have set my own market more times than... What is that? Can you, I know what that means. Setting but. my own market. So I'll just use the lakes as an example yep. just to give you some perspective on how long ago I was doing this, <laughs> okay, is 
I knew there was something special about the lakes community here in Las Vegas. One. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm looking around going, how are these 1,700 square foot single story, two car garage houses selling for 130? Yeah, that's 160, crazy. 170, 150, 140. I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. So then I take the whole lakes property and I go, how many of these are there? And there was four. I go to my investor. I go, we need to buy all four of these. And he's like, that's pretty ballsy. Right. I'm like, we're going to buy one for 140, 150, 160, whatever it was. But we're going to buy between 140 and 160. And then what we'll do is that we only have to sell one for 200. To set the comp. To set the comp. Well, how do you do that? You over improve the first one. Got it. Shiplap, granite, slabs, backyard maintained, and an exterior paint, sick floor plan, tiled shower, right? You'd go bananas. And there's a chance you're either going to break even or only make a few bucks. Then, okay, so that's what you do. You overimprove the first one. Well, this is back to my lake story. We had four. Another one popped up. I'm like, shit. I go, we have to buy this one. Yeah. Because we needed them to sell with a cash closing. What we didn't want to have happen is a conventional buyer comes in and buys it, puts down 20%. It sets a true arm's length transaction. Right, because a cash transaction doesn't set. It does, but it kind of represents the type of transaction that it was. Okay. It was kind of a, it was an investor that bought it. It wasn't a true arm's got length it, transaction. Um, so then we had to buy that. We had six at one point. And my partner at the time was looking at me going like this. I'm not buying another one. So thankfully, none other popped up. And at that point, thankfully, our first one was finally done. Yeah. So we had over-improved our first one, and we listed it. And I, I don't remember the numbers, but we got like 250, some crazy number. Well, what does that say? That says the it other ones. It sets the comps. Yeah, for sets the tone for of, the other ones. Yep. So now I had six pieces of, in, of, of property and that can all use my comp. As, as data. Mm-hmm. And the great news is that generally what ends up happening is, so I over-improved the first one. The second one, I just have to rationally improve. The third one, I just improve. And then the fourth one, the data is so obvious that if I wanted to, I could probably just carpet and paint it. I don't normally do that because I always like to deliver a good product. But if I wanted to, that's what I could do. So your rehab cost is huge on the first one. Well, your last one, your rehab cost is this big you're winning and your on profit that. is this big. Mm-hmm. So now you take the full portfolio, all of the profit, all of the investment, and then you can blend all of that. Yeah. And generally it's a great investment. That is called setting your own comp, creating your own market. Yep. No, I thought that was very important to mention. It's a fun thing yeah, to talk about. Fun. I forget the stuff that I yeah. know without you asking me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I forget. Well, let's wrap it up with all that. Right. Yeah. Re-listen to this episode. I think there's a lot of good nuggets in here. Um, you got anything else you want to say? No, that's it. Good job. Thanks, baby. Thanks. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindogrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.